five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode and you're going to fly. Just exactly how awesome it was to The mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. You've got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. And we'll do it live. Live, live. And we'll do it live. Woo! Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. How is everyone doing? I am Christian Moe, and welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your automotive home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing things on the internet. Welcome. Happy Thursday. We love everybody. Um, thank you guys for, for joining us here, doing the live podcast, hanging out, doing awesome. Um, joining us today, we have our editor-in-chief, like always, Justin Coupler. Say hello, Justin. Hello, Justin. Hope everyone's ready for the 4th of July. Woo! <laughs> All right. And also joining us, like usual, is Mr. Mark McNabb. Say hello, Mr. Mark McNabb. Hello, guys. What's up? Uh-oh. I think somebody has a podcast feed open with the... Uh, yeah, I swear it wasn't audio. me. It is not I. I heard it. I heard it. I'm guilty. All right. <laughs> Justin, you're ruining my intro, man. I did it. It was my. I was Mark. It was my three or four seconds to shine as a person like on this podcast. No, that already happened a long time ago, and we shut that down because we were talking about your beard, and someone's like, "You should just introduce Mark's beard." And I'm like, "No, his beard isn't worthy of an introduction." Boom. I don't think you understand the awesomeness that is going on on my face. It hides. It's not that awesome. Just another fist. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So this is an auto podcast, I promise. Um, anyways, uh, thank you guys. Welcome every everybody. Uh, again, this is the Top Speed Podcast. It is an automotive-based podcast we do every week on Thursdays, and we're doing it live for you guys with fancy video and crazy sunglasses that I'm going to take off because they make the monitor hard to see. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Um, if you enjoy us and you want to listen to us instead of seeing us, you can always find us on iTunes. There are going to be links below this video when the video finally goes up and the live podcast is done. There are links in the post at topspeed.com if you're watching us there. Uh, feel free to subscribe, rate, do all that cool stuff. We really appreciate it. Yes, um, otherwise, uh, welcome to everyone who's viewing live. I've been told we have a few new friends coming uh, that I have just made in Knoxville. We're going to be talking about them in just a few minutes. So feel free to hit the little chatty. Oh, and Hulty's here. Hi, Hulty. Hi, Hulty. Hulty has joined us. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Hulty, you're not going to be the only guy hanging out on this podcast, so keep keep sharp if you want us to hang out with you all the time, too. Um, right now we've got eight viewers, so not bad for the start of a podcast considering Ooh. we haven't talked about a single car yet. Um <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and jump straight into our first little business of news before the weekly wheels, and that is Flying Miata. If you guys don't know who Flying Miata is, they are a company that basically takes the Miata that we all know and love and makes it better in every way. 
They do suspension upgrades, brake upgrades, turbo kits, supercharger kits. If you want a V8 inside of your Miata, they will do that for you. LS1, mm. LS2, LS3, they don't care. They will drop that thing in there. Um, they have a summer camp coming up in a few weeks that I'm going to. <clears throat> um, so if anybody has any questions about Miata stuff, uh, you know, if you're interested in, I mean, even if it's weird technical stuff, like, hey, I have this car and this parts and will that fit, email me, Christian at topspeed.com, or put it in the comments and I'll try and gather all those, and I will take all of that with me when I go to see Flying Miata, and I will get all of your questions answered. Yeah, so. I've, I've dealt with Flying Miata in the past with my, my Miata. I got the uh, FM intake off them, and I got to say, they, they're really good people and cool to, cool to work with, for sure. Oh, Cyprian has joined us in the chat as well. Hello, Cyprian. Chuck Norris does not approve of his beard. You, you hush. You hush. <laughs> you gang it up on me, man. All right. So I don't need I'm, Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to open my, my energy drink while you while you talk. Oh, I'm done. Oh. I, already? We oh, just wow. said that that are done. I said I don't need Chuck Norris' approval for my beard. Oh. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> All right. We should probably get so, the same moon before we lose our eight viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're going to jump into Weekly Wheels, and then we're going to come back to a little bit more Miata stuff because I have an announcement about Weekly Wheels for next week. So uh, we're just going to start Weekly Wheels. Uh, let's do Justin. We'll do, we'll do Justin first. All right. I spent a week behind the wheel of a 2015 Kia Sorento SXL. Um, it's really... Uh, it's not what you'd expect out of a Kia Sorento. I remember back in the day, you know, the Kia Sorento has always been nice, but it's never been anything real premium and upscale. Um, this one, the SXL, I believe it's a range topper. They used to have the Limited, and I think they replaced that with the XX Limited, which they now just abbreviate XXL. SXL. Wow, that's hard to say. Super, super but, large. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, a 3.3 liter V6, 290 horsepower, has plenty to get up and go about... Uh, about eight seconds or so to 60, get around seven and a half to eight seconds, somewhere in that range. But the real uh, thing about this is the inside. It has premium Napa leather interior on the front and rear seats, heat and ventilation up front, a massive navigation system, real crisp infinity sound system. That sounds really great until you crank it up to about nine tenths. When you get it about over 90%, it's the highest kind of washout, but the base is still the highest kind of washout. I'm not sure if that's too much power for the tweeters or if they're not aimed directly, but somehow they wash out a little bit. Um, or you could I, just not be trying to make your children deaf. I drive by myself when I do that. Come on. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really crank like like Mother Goose Club, so. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, would, that would be hilarious. Be. Like, oh, yeah, the kid, the kid, the kid is talking, and I, and I don't want to hear him. You like you like your nursery rhyme songs? Boom to eleven. <laughs> mother goose, mother goose. <laughs> no, when my kid's not in the car. I put it on octane on Sirius and just jam out. When my kid's in the car, it's turned all the way down. His nursery rhymes are going on. I'm nice. Uh, but I also did a little special where I um <clears throat> I had to haul some mulch. I'm um, doing a nice little yard project, so I I crammed 30 bags of two cubic foot bags of mulch in the back of this thing with the seats folded, which is pretty damn good for an SUV. Uh, it's like a, it's kind of sits between a midsize and compact. It's a little smaller than like an X3, um, which is pretty damn good for that size of an SUV. Um, the worst part of the whole thing was cleaning up the mulch afterward. <laughs> I would say so. I'm sure <laughs> oh that was my a mess. God, I spent, I spent probably about 20 minutes with my shop back going back and forth on the, on the carpet trying to get it cleaned up. Um, but everything else in the car was really nice. Um, it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag. So you do have the scratchy plastic on the back of the or the front of the dashboard, and on your uh, 
on your door panels. But other than that, there was really nothing I can complain about on the on this Rento SXL. Uh, it's a little expensive, forty-two thousand five hundred, I think. No, forty-one thousand seven hundred. But um, it has all the features you could want. Um, it's did much it better PDs? loaded. No, it did not have that. Um, one thing it was lacking. But like, if someone's looking at, um, I'm not going to say it's the same as an X3. But if someone is looking at an X3 and they just can't quite swing the payment on it, but they want all the nice features. It's kind of a nice alternative. Um, maybe it's a little closer to maybe a Lexus RX, but it's a nice alternative if you want a bunch of features, but you can't afford that name brand. Um, of course, a BMW shopper is not going to go buy a Kia, but it's someone on the fringe might be a good idea. All right. Um, I've got. I've, I've. I've just been hit up on the on the Fatchy book by some of the people who are watching our wonderful show. I don't know how to chat, but now I'm registered on the page. Says a guy by the name of Mazda Speed Stig. Um, so Mazda Speedstig is a man that I've met, and we'll talk about this this group in just a few minutes when I get to the Miata stuff. But um, anyone who's watching the YouTube page, if you're a YouTube subscriber, like if you have a YouTube account or you have a Google Plus account, you can just sign into your Gmail, sign into your Google Plus, sign into your YouTube, what, whatever, and when you're on the page, just refresh it, and over to the right side of the playing window, there will be a comments box, and then down at the bottom, you can just type in there. So if you guys want to hang out and chat with us, you can you can do that there. Um, so yeah, chat on the YouTube site. But um, so it's it's interesting that you brought up the the RX. Um, I, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and I'll do my wheels first. I had the RX 450H, and um, on my Facebook, on Twitter, even on the site a, a little bit, I got some people thought I was being a little harsh to the RX. And, <laughs> a little. Well, a so little? Is, you right. suck. You suck. <laughs> But I'm going to go into why I was so harsh on this car. For starters, Lexus created this entire segment. Like, Lexus invented the mid-sized luxury SUV with the RX back in the 90s. Like, they created this, and they've yeah. always been the best at it. But so now I've got a hybrid version, and so let's think about what I'm supposed to have with this car. I get it because it's luxurious. I get it because it has nice equipment. I get it because it is fuel-efficient. And traditionally, Lexuses are fairly competitively priced, right? Like, that's what Lexus does. Competitive pricing, great build quality, good luxury, um, and it's a hybrid, so I want the fuel economy. Those are, like, the four things I'm looking for. Yep. I got great equipment and build quality. I got that Lexus feel. I did not get fuel economy, and I did not get pricing. So my car, sitting here... Bases at $47,810, and that is for a dead base hybrid with all-wheel drive. And you get nothing with that. You get no navigation. Um, I don't even know if you get heated seats with that. You get cloth interior. $50,000 Lexus, and they give you cloth interior. If you want the leather, well, the leather comes in the premium package. $2,760. That's like a BMW move. Yeah, I've always taken issue with that when you get these high-end cars that have either the fake leather or cloth seating. It's never made much sense to me. It's like a $42,000 uh, BMW has fake leather seats. I've just never quite understood that. Well, at least that's fake leather, so when people look in your window, they at least think you have money. <laughs> Versus, you know what, <laughs> just get cloth. I didn't even know Lexus made cloth anything. Yeah, for real. Well, you know, like five years ago, they were still putting uh, tape decks in their cars. You know. Right, but but so so 
for $60,000, I think anyone who buys this is an idiot. And uh, I went through last last night, actually, and I went to all the competitor web websites and started building cars that were competitive to this. And um, this is the list of cars that I found that were comparatively specced. The only difference might be whether they have TVs in the back or not, because this one did have TVs in the back. And I'll say which ones had TVs and which ones didn't. But these are all the cars that were cheaper <coughs> than, the, than this Lexus. And by cheaper, I mean more than $4,000 less. Okay? The Audi Q5 diesel, the Ooh. Range Rover Evoque, the Volvo XC60 E-Drive Hybrid, the Volvo XC90, and both Volvos have TVs, the Cadillac SRX with TVs, the Acura MDX with TVs. If you want to spend, if you have to spend the same amount of money, do you know what you can get for the same $60,000? A Land Rover LR4 Discovery, decked out with TVs, a Infiniti QX70, decked out with TVs, a Mercedes ML350 diesel, decked out with TVs, or a Porsche Panamera diesel. Wow. Yes. All of those are the same <laughs> price or very, very much cheaper. So like the Audi Q5 without the TV is like $55,000. So you can save five grand. Put that towards diesel. Yeah, well, um, so the fuel economy for my Lexus says right here on my window sticker... Um, if we can pull it up and kind of look at it. The little number says 28. That's the highway fuel economy. That number says 30 for city fuel economy, and that says 29 combined. I got 26 and a half, which is about a 10% less than what I should get. Uh, when I drove the Q5 diesel, the sticker says 31. So the sticker's even rated higher than the uh, Lexus is, but I got 35 on average. for. I mean, and I was beating the crap out of that thing. So not only do I save five grand by skipping some TVs, I also get way better fuel fuel economy, and I think for five grand, I'll just buy a little mount and an iPad for each child that I want to put in the back and do it that way. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't really not to hate on Lexus, but I think that Audi has more of that uh, luxury brand cachet at this point. You know, put and the so does Mercedes, side. and so does Porsche, and so yeah. does Range Rover. Exactly. I mean, Lexus is kind of down in that market as well. I just you're, you are paying a lot for it a little bit on this. And, you know, granted, we're going to make some darn good hybrid uh, drivetrains, but <laughs> I'd right. rather you know. Well, and, and, and so, like, I guess that's that's my whole problem about it is we know for a fact Lexus and Toyota can make great hybrids. Yeah. It's just for some reason isn't one of those. And we know Lexus can make great cars with great equipment that are priced better than all their competitors. But this didn't do that either. And that's why I was so hard on it because it's like Lexus has spent the last, what, 30 years teaching the world that this is what we do. Great pricing, great equipment, incredible luxury, everything you want in a package. And then for the last, what, 18 or 20 years, they've been pounding hybrids. We are the most fuel-efficient company in the world. And then they bring me this car that is overpriced. And does it meet the fuel economy? Like, it, I just see no reason why anybody would buy it. If if this car was five thousand dollars cheaper with all that same equipment, fantastic. Everyone in the world should go out and buy one. But at sixty thousand dollars, it's just not worth the cash. Like, and 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 again, that comes back to my my whole thing about it is, Lexus does something and they do it well, and then this doesn't do anything Lexus normally does. Yeah. Yes, the interior quality is fantastic, and it was super quiet inside, and the leather felt great. 
but you had to pay $3,000 to get that leather in your $50,000 SUV, and you paid all this money for a hybrid drivetrain, which doesn't save you any fuel. Plus, it was slow as hell to drive. <laughs> Got to add that in, huh? <laughs> uh, oh, God. So, it, it, Lexus says 7.4 seconds on their website. The absolute quickest I could time it with sport mode on and everything was like 8.15. Like, that was the absolute best I could do. Everything else was about 8.5. Well, you weren't at sea level and going downhill with the tailwind. Well, right. I wasn't. <laughs> so, you granted that, right? Well... You know, it's it's so funny that um, that you say these things because it's just you're. I think you're right on this. Lexus does have that that really good uh, brand reputation of delivering such quality things for reasonable prices. And um, you know, I've read your article. I read the re- or I, I watched the video review. And um, yeah, you know, I have to say that I think you're on the right path with this. And I really don't. I don't feel like your your hatred is unfounded. So. I mean, it's 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 not hatred. It's it's disappointment. It's like Loathing. when you come home and your parents look at you and they just say, "I am so disappointed in you." <laughs> but, but like again, I, I I did all these car companies looking for all these competitors, and the only real competitor that I could find that was more expensive was the BMW X5. That's the only one that costs more. Like when when you cost more than a freaking Mercedes Benz, yeah, something needs to be looked at. Well, the the RX would be more of a competitor with the X3, though, right? Um, so the X3 is a little too small. The X5 is slightly larger, um, but yeah, so like it's sort of in that weird. I, I, range. I would kind of put that in more of the X3 because I think the X5 is just a little too big for the the RX to kind of so swing with it. Exterior size, the X5 is a lot bigger. Yet yeah. interior oh, yeah. wise, they're actually about the same. Hmm. Um. The RX is a much bigger interior than it looks like on the outside. There's lots of storage space. And most people who are pricing them, like again, the base price of this car is fifty grand. The base price of an X five is like fifty-two grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X three is like a thirty-eight thousand dollar car. It's it's, it's in its own bracket. So oh wow, we've got a lot going on in the chat. Okay. Um so some of the guys that I brought over from the Mazda crew. BMW and Lexus should be required by law to never offer cloth interior. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Lexus sets their prices based on the badge on the nose. Uh, I'll give you that a little bit, but again, when they're charging more than Mercedes, you can't chop that all up to badge. You have to chop no. that up to a little bit of stupidity. Um, we have some good decisions. We two, two people said good decisions, so one of the things we did was a great decision. Um, another person, and this is a good point. My problem with hybrid is it takes so many years to save enough money on fuel to justify the premium. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a problem. Yeah, and then, and then, then as soon as you as soon as you pay it off, then the battery goes after you have to replace yeah. it. Well, well, his is, is by the time you make the money, it's time by by the time you make the money back, it's time for you to trade it in on the new one, anyways. Yeah. So so yes, thank you for the astute observations, crew. I appreciate having having you on 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 board. But um, let's let's move on from the not so great hybrid to a better hybrid. Uh, Mark got to spend some time in a Prius. Uh, I don't I don't know that I would call it a better hybrid, honestly. Well, what um, was your fuel economy on it? Well, um, fuel economy wasn't too terrible. What did I get? I don't even remember. The car I I had it a couple weeks ago, um, and it it served it served me well. Fuel economy. 
48, I think, is what I got. So, I mean, okay. that's, that's pretty good. Right, and it's rated what, like... It's it's rated like pretty high. I think 40 is kind of the... 50, I think. Uh, let's see. EPA numbers are 51 in PG City, 48 Highway, and 50 combined. And I got okay. just under the combined, so about 48, 46. So, I okay. mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Well, right, but you're close to the number. Yes, I, I am close. Then that's good. Uh, granted, I was a little hard on it because um, it's so underpowered that I was almost always in the gas, and I felt like that 1.8 was about to drop out from under the front of the car. Um, you have the little power meter, right, where you're just always up in the power mode? Yes, it is always sending power to the front wheels. Uh, only only when I was coming to a stop was it uh, was the line ever going backwards. Now, the, the bad thing about this car is I think... Number one has to be build quality, and I understand they're trying to make this car light, and they did it. It feels like I'm inside of a Coke can. When you close the door, the door skins move, and the hatch raises because of the interior pressure. Um, there's almost no sound deadening. It just – it. I literally felt like a tin can. Um, I had cloth seats. I had no navigation. No, I, do, I did have navigation, but it was really um, – Kind of lame. The just the build quality felt very, uh, I guess, subpar. But then again, I had the base model car with zero options. Zero. The only other price added to this car was the destination fee. So I mean, it was like a twenty-six thousand dollar car with a hybrid system, but it just, I don't know. I, it felt like it was lacking a lot of stuff for a two thousand fourteen model. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Um... I drove the Lexus, and Mark drove the Prius, and this week we've actually swapped. Mark has a two-wheel drive version of the Lexus I was just driving, and I've got a slightly different Prius than he's got. Um, so next week will be really cool if you're interested in... <laughs> Sorry, one of the chat guys just said, all 23 horsepower of raw Prius power. He's, he's almost not kidding. The 1.8 makes like 95 horsepower. Yeah, it's almost That's nothing. It. Well, but and together with the electric motor, it's like 115. 134. Oh, oh, see? That's <laughs> like better than a Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> and a CVT. So it's like it's shooting itself in the foot before oh, it starts. Yeah, I, I hate the CVT, especially on that Lexus because the V6 is so loud. Like everywhere you go, it's just <laughs> Okay, as much as you think that Lexus was loud and slow – no, well, no, no, just the, engine, just the engine noise when I wanted to go faster because yes, it would instantly yes. shoot all the way up to the top of that rev range. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I am in that Lexus right now, that RX. The week or two weeks before I was in the Prius, it sounded like I was driving a lawnmower. In the gas, <laughs> the car would just emanate with reverberation. Yeah, no, that 1.8 shakes the it, whole car. It's weird. It, it just – it was so – Unrefined is the word yeah. for it. Um, granted, it's a great car for in-city. If I lived in the city and only had to drive like 10 miles a day and wanted to save gas, okay. But driving on the interstate every day and, and having uh, – I put about five or 600 miles in a car a week. It just yeah. – it didn't fit my needs. That's, right. that's the fair assumption of the cars. It didn't fit my needs. Now, for somebody else, it might be great. Right. Well, so far, I'm enjoying my Prius, um, but I enjoy the fact that it feels purposeful. Like, yeah. you can well, tell... Well, because yours like, is the was, V, though. Yours well, is the I bigger... 
So it's so it's the bigger version that gets less fuel economy, but it it still feels like it was built to haul more things as cheaply and fuel efficiently as possible. It does feel cheap. I've also got pretty much a base model. I don't think I have a single option on the on on the car. It is a really pretty blue color, but um, <laughs> otherwise, it's like mine, like. Go ahead. I see. Mine was like this uh, greenish teal color. And everybody complimented it, but me. I was like, eh, I don't know. It just kind of no. Mine's mine's like my this deep dark blue. It's like yeah, blue. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was like, <laughs> I'm hugging trees green. Okay. Well, well I think that, that's the technical name for it. Actually. At least you guys don't have a purple hatchback. That's what I'm driving right now. You know what? I am still. I'm not telling you. I like your fit, but that's that's a story for another week. We yeah, need. That's another we day. need. We need to move this on. Anyways, so Mark has Lexus this week. I have the Prius this this week. So the next show, there will be a lot more Prius. Yes, Lexus we're going to talk about talk. the same cars but switched, and yeah. I'm going to talk about how much Christian is wrong with his assumption of the RX, and how he is wrong you know with the Prius. The front wheel drive version might be better. Yours is a lot cheaper than mine was. That might make it a lot better. Again, well, like. If a that's lot really five grand cheaper. Mine, mine is four grand cheaper. Six fifty-six four is what mine cost. Right, but you don't have TVs. No, I, do I thought I would TVs. never. Oh, you do have TVs. I have TVs. See, I thought yeah. I would never hear anybody say maybe the front-wheel drive version is better. Did you really just say <laughs> that, that? That is a first. I'm sorry, I had to pry by that. Did you really just say maybe the front-wheel drive version is better? You know what? Sometimes cars with smaller engines and front-wheel drive are better than their bigger engine and all-wheel drive counterparts, just simply because of weight. Yeah, yeah, smaller engine maybe, but the RX doesn't have a smaller engine. It's like yes, it's what, Jason, 3.5 liters. Are terrible. It's the 3.5 V6, which is in every Toyota product ever made except the Tundra. Right, right. but um, in this one it only makes 240 horsepower. But add in the – It doesn't say on the build sheet right here. Right. No, it what? didn't say on the build sheet. I had to what? chase down those numbers. Look. Look at my MPGs. They're so much better than yours. <laughs> Where is it? There, there you go. See, I'm getting better because I don't have all-wheel drive, and I live in Florida, so it doesn't matter. So I don't well, – unless I go to the beach, and then I'll get stuck. But Right. Um, Anyways, moving on. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> another thing that's going to happen next next week, um, Mazda is bringing me a Miata. Uh, they're doing the summer of Miata road trip thing. So next week, you won't have my cool background to talk to me at. I will be in Wisconsin on Thursday. Uh, you better bring back some cheese. Um, I'm going to be at a lake house in Wisconsin doing this work stuff, and you guys will be talking to me at a lake in Wisconsin. Um, so I'll also have a brand-new 2014 Miata to talk about. And um, while dealing with this Miata, I found something out really cool that I didn't know quite existed before. Um, I know Miata people are cool, but um, I didn't know how cool Miata people were. Does that make sense? Like, like Justin, do you hang out with any sort of like other Miata people? Because you own a Mazda Speed Miata. Well, down here in Florida, there's not a massive group of us because it's mostly old people. Um, but up north, when I was in Pennsylvania, there's actually, for being up in the great white north, there's a nice little collection of us. So, yeah, we all got together. We go to, to, the, to the fast food joints and hang out and, and rev our engines like we were cool. <laughs> like cool. Well, so um, I was on Facebook. There is a local car group in Knoxville called Knoxville Car Enthusiasts. Um, different story. We're not going there. But anyways, there is uh, one of the guys jumped on, uh, the Mazda Speed Stig, and uh, was talking to me about this Miata because like, I'm getting a Miata. And he's like, come join our group. And it's uh, Knox Area Road Roadsters. It's a Miata-based group. There's like 60 people in this group, and 
they've been the nicest people in the entire world to talk to on the internet. Like, blows my mind. Um, so I'm going to be getting together with them, with the Miata. We're going to be doing a bunch of pictures. Some of them have Mazda Speed Miatas. There's some tuned stuff in there. Um, a couple of guys are photographers. So um, if you guys are interested in Miata stuff for the new car, I've got a lot of stuff coming. Going to get a going to do a big get-together get with these guys, um, hang out, do a bunch of photos, just chat, and do, like, cool car guy stuff. And uh, I just didn't realize how great the Miata community could be. There's, like, 60 people in this group, and all of them have been nice. None of them have called me any terrible names like they do on the Internet. No one has questioned my sexuality because I said the word Miata. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I sure has stickers in a roller cage. Yeah. I used to get that all the time when I first bought my Miata. I, oh my god, my friend bought a. Uh, he had a Mustang. And he kept calling it. I'm not gonna say the word, but he kept calling it a, a three-letter word car. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, after I got done tuning it, I told him, I said, "Here, here are the keys. Go drive it and tell me if you want to call it that car again." Um, needless to say, he stopped calling it that after he drove it. <laughs> yep. All right. And he was very sad to drive his uh, V6 Mustang again, right? Yeah, so what was funny is the guy's like six <laughs> the guy was like six foot six, three hundred and something pounds. So this massive guy getting in my little tiny Miata was hilarious. And then he and then he gets out like this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to the news. Um we are gonna start the news on kind of a somber note. Uh, I, I apologize, but lots of cool stuff is coming. Um first thing is uh, we wanna send out our con- condolences to the family of Bobby Gooden. If uh, you didn't hear about the story, Bobby Gooden was one of the guys who was racing up during the Pikes Peak event. Um, he was on a motorbike, made it to the top of the hill. He finished the run, but at the top of the hill of Pikes Peak, because remember, they just finished paving the whole road a couple years years ago, um, there's a huge gravel lot. Uh, I guess he came in a little bit hot, tried to stop, lost control, was launched from his bike. Um, he landed on a couple of rocks. They life-lighted him out, but uh, he did succumb to his injuries, and he has passed. Um Sadly, um, you know, we, we don't like to see with any any of this happens. Um, if you, I guess if you're looking for kind of a silver lining, um, he is only the fifth person to lose his life at Pikes Peak in the event, despite the fact this is the second oldest racing event in the entirety of the United States. Um, he's only these, you know, we haven't had a death on a bike since the mid-'80s. So, so that's good. Um, we hate that he's gone, but, um, you know, at least try and take away from this that – Racing is dangerous. Please be safe when you're out there. Take some extra precautions. Um, but, yeah, we want to send out our condolences to him and his entire family. Um, but let's move on because I don't want to talk about sad things. Um, we're going to talk yeah. about Mark. We have a very happy thing to talk about, don't we? Yeah. That's, Mark, that's the next topic? Yeah. That's Justin's. No, 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 no. We're going to do Mark first. Oh, we are? Yeah. We're going to oh. do your Tundee trip. Oh, Mr. Oh, oh. Mr. Mark went and visited the fine folks at Hyundai in Alabama. And he got to drive a new car and see a whole bunch of cool stuff. I did. Uh, yeah, I got to drive up to the Hyundai plant in Montgomery, Alabama, and test the all-new 2015 Hyundai Sonata. Um, also got to see it roll off the production line, which was very, very cool. And I got to see a little bit of the inside things with uh, how how they're constructed, all that sort of stuff. So it was a very interesting and informative trip. Uh, I've got to say that. So, you know, kudos to Hyundai for um, for bringing us up there and kind of showing us the ropes on uh, car construction. It was really cool. As far as the car itself, I really liked it. Uh, the Sonata isn't quite as, 
I hate to say the word memorable, but I think that's about how it sums up. Like you see a you see a current Hyundai Sonata, and you're like, that's a Sonata, and it looks so much better than all the ones in the past. But now they're they're a little more angular, they're a little more uh, cut. They look more like the Genesis than the Elantra. So again, um, I feel that the answer is is now they look less ugly. Well, I think I think it's more along the lines of they're going for more of a almost timeless look. The, the older yes, Hyundai's yes. were very dated. You could tell what generation they were from. This oh, one, yeah. including new, the new Genesis, they they look more timeless, kind of like Audi does. You can't tell unless you're an expert. A 2014 Audi from a 2006 Audi, you can't really yeah. tell. Well, well, even even farther back than that, like the Germans yeah. have always done this well, especially Audi and BMW. So mm-hmm. you can take like a mid 90s BMW, right? Like the old e, E36 and, and stuff, and park it somewhere, and people will know that that is an older car. But you can take like a 2002 Kia or Hyundai and park it next to it and be like, which one of these is older? And they'll have a hard time figuring it out until you're like, yeah, that BMW is actually 10 years freaking older and like two generations older than this car is. Yeah. But well, is so you know, Kia and Hyundai, of course, in the last 10 or 15, especially 20 years, have just light years advanced uh, as far as both technology, design, uh, mm-hmm. interior accoutrements, everything like that. So, I mean, they're they're really they're jumping uh, quantum leaps forward. But, uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you guys that it is more of a timeless design, and I think it looks very, very um, classy, more so than the, the current generation. But I don't think that it has that uh, that pop that the current Sonata has. But either way, the interior where you're going to spend most of your time is a lot nicer. It does look a lot more like the Genesis versus the Elantra, which the current Sonata does. So it, it shares more of that uh, high-end look. Uh, it's got really good, good uh, fit and finish and everything. The GPS, the navigation, all works pretty good. Now, the engine powertrain, they're pretty much carryover, but they are actually less powerful than before. But they kind of moved around. They did some stuff with the power band. So it's more um, it's more powerful, lower in the RPMs, and uh, you get a little bit more out of it. So at least it feels more powerful. So, right. Justin, you got a comment? I'm just laughing at some of the guys on the comment screens. Yeah. Scott Kirkland, I had, I had two, I had two Miatas in the sa- at the same time, and my wife had a Subaru. I was really secure in my manhood. After that, he says, we always joked that our driveway looked like an Indigo Girls concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am, I, am, I am so happy we have an active chat today. Thank you guys so very much. A big, big yay, bravo to the oh. local Miata or the local Rotary or Road, Roadsters Club here. The Rotary Club. There's a couple Rotary, <laughs> Rotary Club. The Lions Club. <laughs> the Rotary, Rotary Club. Club. Really? There's a there's a, there's a couple of RX fans in that group too. But uh, yeah. So like, I'm I'm kind of excited about the uh, new Sonata. So like, I I honestly I didn't really enjoy the old style that much. I love this new sharp, crisp look of it. Yeah. I love the fact that the interior. I mean, yeah. Like in your photos, the interior looks like a thousand times better than the old one. And to be honest, the old interior wasn't bad, but the new one just looks great. Um, yeah. I am a, a little worried about the uh, 2.4, though. Or not the, yeah, or not the 2.4, it, the uh, 2.0 turbo. No. I, cut, like, 35 horsepower out of that thing. Yes, but it's more accessible lower in the RPM band, so it's it's easier to get to. Instead of having to rev it out to, like, 7,000 RPMs, you get that power at, like, four grand, 
versus you know something crazy. So it's, right. it feels peppier more quickly. If that makes okay. sense. Well, yeah, no, I mean, like, it's, yeah, because like yes, I never it, really felt like that old engine. Like it said 270 on the sticker, but I'm like, it never felt like quite like 270 horsepower. No, it it That's it's got to read pretty quickly. It does. Um, they also have the, the turbo uh, on the 1.6 liter, which is kind of like their economy engine. In fact, that's what they're touting it as, and that's the only engine available in the eco model of the Sonata. Um, granted, I was... Hold on, hold on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, just, we just had another comment in the chat. Well, Rotary, we're not broken. <laughs> we're not broken and we don't burn oil. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to turn this chat window off so we can actually talk about no, news. This is this is the best thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> but uh, what what did you learn about American manufacturing when you were at the Hyundai plant? Okay, so about the plant itself, you can read my review of the plant, um, kind of a step by step thing on that. Uh, it's up on the site right now. Um, I learned that basically, like Hyundai's a boss at making this these cars, like. They really do a great job, and what they like the whole thing is like right now, right or right part right now. So the the parts are getting off the truck, and then in like 20 minutes they're on a car. It happens so quick. Uh, everything is so uh, like synchronized and coordinated that uh, you know there's there's very little delay, very little waste of time and space. So that's kind of like the the biggest and coolest thing about it. Also, their automation is crazy. They have so many robots, like just. Doing stuff to the cars, basically, it waits. It waits until you get to the like the general assembly line before a human actually touches the car. Like they put the floor pan or the the carpet in, and that's the first time someone actually like touches the car. So between huh. the like flat sheet of metal coming off the metal rolls, till the time it has structure, hood, doors, and everything on it, like no one's touched it yet. Really, so it's really really cool. Perhaps that's, that's why they're still built well. Yeah, they are still. <laughs> Maybe that's why. I mean, like the the less human interaction there is with building a car, the less yeah. there is to go wrong. If we're completely honest. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's the thing about uh, you know, like GM and their hand-built engines. You know, like the um, oh, what is the LS9 or whatever? Like yeah. they, they and AMG too. They quote the hand-built. You know, like I'm sure that John GTR Smith does. Well. A, yeah, I'm sure that John Smith does a great job building that engine. But what if he has a bad day and like you know, doesn't torque bolt eight to ten foot pounds. Yeah, I've always things had can happen. That. You know? I've always yeah. had an issue with that handmade thing. I remember years ago, like gateway computers, oh we're hand built, you know, a human a computer somewhere where a human hand doesn't need to be. And I think inside umpteen engines throughout the course of a day, I don't think a human needs to mess with that. Yeah. So I mean these everything is is very, very uh, controlled quality. Uh, and Hyundai does tout a like a ninety seven percent success rate as far as the cars from start to finish getting through quality control and without any, like, you know, a light bulb out or wires crossed or anything like that. So 97% of their cars roll out of the assembly line without any, like, having to go back through quality control. So that's pretty cool. I'd like I to know, see kind of a comparison of go. how AMG does with, with that, with the hand. But I'd like to see kind of a comparison. How many AMG vehicles roll out? And they say, oh, okay, we got to send it back for this or that compared to no. the 97% Hyundai does. Well, yeah, so well, that's, that's, that's a good thing, though. Like, I don't think... I, I don't know anything about manufacturing in major quantities like this, but 97% doesn't sound high enough for me. Like, considering how long well, we've been automating and building cars, like, how many cars can that factory pump out in a day? Uh, about 1,200. 
Okay, so at 1,200, right, so that's what, 12 cars is 1%, so 36 cars a day can be broken, and that's totally okay? Not broken, but like, let's say you know, the, right. the paint, the paint <laughs> uh, has a fleck in it or something like that. It, generally, it just, it could go from, you know, one thing to the other, and if the car is, you know, it doesn't meet quality control, or maybe a, maybe a door panel is uh, out of alignment, or there's a, too big of a gap on the right side of the hood, they have to I send mean, it back. I'm, and then just adjust it. So I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm glad they pay that much attention to it. But yeah, it's like in my head, I'm like, okay, so 36 cars a day, that's you know what, 12 or that's 120 plus 100. Well, hell, that's almost close to 150 cars a week, which is how many cars in a year? And I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lot of money and a lot of cars in a year. Well, I think Justin's got a good point. Let's check GM and Ford and AMG and right. No, like I want to know what those what those numbers are because like ninety seven percent, and you made it sound like they're really proud of that. And I'm like, whoa! Well, no, I mean, the yeah, cars they, are they how expensive. A, like, they had a big banner on like at the end of the assembly line, ninety seven percent first time through. So well, you have to remember also a lot of this QC stuff that comes back is is stupid little things. It's it's a light bulb that jiggled loose on the way down the assembly line. It's a it's a wiper blade that got a little bit cocked on its way onto the wiper arm. It's stupid stuff like that. It's not like major flaw. Well, but it's I still cool. want nothing wrong with my new car. But I'm just like I'm just trying to think about the money involved with having to fix even a, a loose light bulb on you know twenty thousand cars a year. Well, like, that's why they and, pay people like, to do it. Yeah, right? yeah like, I over, really want to know what all these other, other numbers are now. There. It's just yeah. it's just got my head moving with all these numbers and all these things that could be happening in all these plants. And now I want to yeah. know, like, you, what does Nissan spend on fixing this? What does GM spend on fixing this? Like, how much how much is that adding to the price of my car? Yeah, that's true. Have you ever been to an assembly plant? No, so I want to go do the Corvette plant because I'm yes. close to that. I want to go do the Spartanburg plant because we're close to that. Um, yeah. I want to go do the Chattanooga plant because that's an hour from my house, but yeah. I've not been able to do that yet either. But yeah, no, like I'm super fascinated by all this stuff, and I want to go do tours of all these plants. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. Well, next time I'm in town, Kristen, you and I, we're going to go to Chattanooga. And sounds 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 awesome. So anyway, yeah, I mean, it was a good experience overall. I got to see some really cool cars, see some really, um, you know, interesting techniques on how to build stuff. Um, I got to meet the president of Hyundai. I mean, that's cool. I was sitting on the balcony, and he's, like, smoking a cigar. And it's, like, ten stories <laughs> up. But how he's are like, you doing? Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool. I got to shake some big wig hands and stuff like that. So it was, oh, it was cool. a good experience. All right, so enough about people dying, enough about small cars that are kind of interesting. Um, Justin? <laughs> horsepower! Yes! Horsepower. Yes. 700 of them. Um, so, so back when uh, Dodge and SRT first started talking about the Hellcat engine, you know, we knew it was going to have a lot of power. We knew it. And they said over 600 horsepower. And also often we hear these manufacturers tout over 600 and something horsepower, over 500 horsepower, and ends up 502. Round yes. it up. Because that's up over, buddy. That's over. It's over. It's technicality. It's over. Yeah. It's like 501.5. Okay, it's 502. Just put the second on there. But And then when this all came out, we're like, okay, maybe it's going to be six in the 620 range because they're not going to try to beat up the, uh, the SRT Viper. No way they're going to do that. Yeah. Well, just yesterday they released 700 and seven horsepower. <laughs> seven hundred and seven. I, I just want to know what what is the aspect ratio of the rear tires in this car? Are they like four fifteens or something? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say big. There, no, no, no. Yeah, there is like no rear tires. There's just a rubber rod that goes across the entire back of the car. <laughs> there, there's a quarter inch gap with a differential in between. Maybe turn. <laughs> I mean that is insane. And then the the torque's not even 650 pound feet. Um, that's amazing in itself too. I yeah. mean, that, just the combination. Actually, I think I I think that's limited. It probably is. And and speaking of limiting, speaking of limiting, the most ridiculous part about this car. Okay, they have the valet key. We know what that is. It reduces power. Ford has a my key thing, and Chevy I think right. has one too. This one limit. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna ask you guys because you know, but if anybody had to guess, it's okay. Maybe they'd limit it to 300 horsepower or so. No, they'd limit it to 500 horsepower. That's well, still, I mean, a lot that's a of room for power cut. That's a whole lot of hauling ass right there, 500 horsepower. It's like, like, like you could walk up to Camaro, a valet could just take this thing up to a Camaro SS, go, "What's up, homie?" and just fry the tires and smoke them. Well, uh, so with the, the valet key. <laughs> right, but so Camaro S, well, the valet key is usually limit speed too, but um. Not the 60, I doubt. Um, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of valet keys limit to like 35 or 40. I, I, I highly. Well, that would be a good off the line start anyway. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, so you said Camaro SS. Like, like I want, I want someone to think about this. Camaro SS is what 425 horsepower or so. Yeah, 420. Yeah. 420. So, um, you could buy a V6 Camaro, and a Camaro SS, and just barely have more horsepower than the one Challenger Hellcat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just. The How awesomeness, is that? the awesomeness is unfathomable. I cannot. I, I was amazed when I saw that number. Like yeah. it came across my Twitter feed, and I was like, 707. That that has to be wrong. I thought someone was joking around, and I looked at yeah. the crisis. I'm damn they, sure there are seven. It should have been 607. Like yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I thought. Yeah. It's like there is no way it's that much power because, and especially to tease it at 600 plus. We all undershot this thing, and I think I think Chrysler did that on purpose. Oh, of course he did. To get us all thinking low power and then shock us with the yeah. 707, because you know they tested this thing. Oh, of course, and you know you know they they released that number on their 100th anniversary too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. And they t- they timed it absolutely perfectly, and yeah. it's just I don't know what to say about it besides wow, um, Chrysler is coming with it hard now. Um, <laughs> We we had in our chat valets are going to be wiping out a lot. <laughs> like I, they are going to be wiping out a lot. Like I said in review, they're going to go Ferris Bueller on your ass. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I need to get a job at a hotel somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drive your Hellcat. Uh, but now the question wow. is, what is Ford and Chevy going to do? Chevy can't touch it. 580, I think, is the, the most powerful Camaro outside the Copo. Well, but that's the thing is Chevy can touch it. Now, because we have the new Z06, it won't be 700 horsepower, but the Camaro weighs less than the Challenger, and the Camaro is set up to handle better than the Challenger, and if they make a new ZL1 that instead of using the old supercharged V8, uses the new 650 horsepower supercharged V8, there's still going to be a pretty solid fight on their hands, and then they can make a new Copo using that new supercharged engine and crank the power up to 750 if they wanted to, and oh, boom. Yeah, yeah and, and let's not mistake things here. The uh, the Challenger is still going to be a lead sled regardless of how many horsepower it has in it. It is straightforward. Hold onto the wheel as hard as you can and press the gas. Right. It's not a sports car. It's still no. a muscle car. The Mustang yeah. and Camaro have sort of morphed into sports cars. Yeah. Yeah. And then this also brings up the, the issue is what is how long will this car last? 
How long will uh, Dodge and Chrysler actually keep it on the market? You know, cafe standards are coming up. Yeah, that's max. Cafe standards coming. No one yeah. wants to buy cars again. I guarantee this thing's going to be like 13 miles to the gallon in the city. Yeah, I bet you this is like their Hail Mary of like, yes, muscle car. Yeah. And like we're going out with a bang after this. We're going to make turbo four cylinders, everything, and um, 40 miles to the gallon. But right now, hell well, enjoy. Yeah. Well, and but but part of cafe comes down to the amount of cars you sell. So it's an average. Yes. Yes. If they were if they were smart and they're like, we're only going to make 500 a year. Like suddenly, because Chrysler is a massive company that's now part of Fiat, which is a massive company with lots of super fuel efficient cars, you know, suddenly it doesn't make that big of a difference. Like that's one of the things. Um, like people ask, how can Ferrari and Lamborghini keep doing the cars they do with all these cafe standards? Well, it's because Lamborghini is part of Volkswagen, which makes all these TDI diesels and all that sort of stuff, and uh, Ferrari is part of Fiat. Mm-hmm. So that that helps offset all of that. So, I mean, if, if Chrysler plays their cards right, they could keep something like this going for a little while. Yeah. Um, but well, I'm not I think, sure. I think Chrysler's not – they're not the only ones who's got that, you know, thing in mind, too. I mean, obviously, GM has a lot of performance cars, and not that the Corvette really is a gas guzzler. It's actually pretty efficient. But, like, the Camaro Z01, Z28, uh, you know, they're offset by all the AVOs and uh, Sonics out there. You know, they're getting 40 miles to the gallon, 35. So, I mean, they're able to sell these crazy cars. Uh, and I think Chrysler has that going for it as well. Uh, you know, with all the crap that they sell. It's like, you know, the, what is the yeah. dart stuff? The but, dart. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I think, you know, three years, three, five years max lifespan of this car. But, I mean, I think they're going to sell the crap out of them. I really do. And, of course, price is going to be outlandish. It's probably going to be competitive with a Z28, which is like 75. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I foresee a lot of these getting sold. And I, I don't know that they're going to limit numbers. Do you, what do you guys think about that? Do you think they're going to limit the production numbers? Yeah, I think I think you're going to see at the most maybe 1,500. I don't think you're going to see more than 1,500. Really? I, well, so I think they're going to have to, um, and that serves two purposes. One, there's there's probably not a very large market of people out there looking for this car that can afford this car. Oh. And if you – like, so like they're, they're not going to sell a lot to begin with. So limiting numbers won't do very much, but – like as far as like hurting sales, but if you limit them and you tell people there are only 1,500 of these that exist, the people that are going, well, I'd like to have one and I could have one, but I don't know, they're going to jump because, well, it's limited and I have to get it because then I won't be able to. So they can – I'm sure that they've done probably all the math on how many of these they think they can sell, and then if they were smart, they'd bump that number up by like 150 cars and be like, this is how many we're limiting them to. Boom. Yeah, I think limiting it is the only way to go. <clears throat> There's no way they can just say, hey, here you go, guys. Here's a whole bunch of Hellcats. Have fun. Right. Although, um, I mean, if they wanted to give each one of us a long-term loaner to really make sure they got tested well. I would suffer through that. Yes, I, I, would. I, I would make that sacrifice, guys. I mean, We would we would take one for the world team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm Although, just, sadly, I mean, it I, would be a sacrifice because we're paying gas bills. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I can't. I can't yeah, help tires. How many? How many sets of tires do you think you'd go through in like a month? <laughs> well, I know. I know the Z28 is supposed to go through tires about every twenty-five to four thousand miles. Yep. So about every oil change, you got to get some new tires for the back. My, those will be so expensive. <laughs> and yeah. Oh my like God! Holy shit! We we gotta get moving. We're at like fifty minutes already. <laughs> Whoops. 
moving this on. This is the best conversation ever. We're talking about horsepower here, okay? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Well, power. okay. Well, yeah. let's well, let's keep horse horsepower going. Um. So Goodwood was this weekend, or this last weekend. A whole bunch of crap happened at Goodwood. Um. I picked out a couple of things that I thought were kind of important, and we're going to name them all off. Then we can talk about them after I name them all off. So, um, Nissan brought a couple of GTRs, including a brand new, even super duper crazy faster prototype version of the Nismo Track Edition car, and that. Blistered and blew away the overall record for Goodwood. Uh, Nissan wins Good Goodwood in the supercar thing. They did a time of just over 49 seconds, which is insane. Um, McLaren showed up with a GT3 version of the 650S. So if you're a gentleman racer and you want a McLaren super fastiness, you can get that. Focus un- or Ford unveiled the brand new version of the Focus ST with a few visual upgrades. I think a teeny tiny power boost. Um, some suspension stuff, which is the big change there, so it'll handle a, a lot better. Um, JK showed up with a Kermit Green LaFerrari, which was kind of cool to look at because it's not freaking red, and all the LaFerraris have been red. And then the bottom sale totaled over $39 million. Million. Um, yes, million. And, oh, I've got a... Um, oh, sorry, I was supposed to make a shout-out to one of the guys in the Miata forum who doesn't own a Miata anymore. He now has a K-Swap Civic. So, there you go, Josh, your K-Swap Civic. But, um, so we'll jump back to Goodwood. So, what do you guys want to talk about first? K-25. The VTEC, yo. VTEC kicked in, yo. Do I have a VTEC gauge? No, 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 no. No, stop. Goodwood. Goodwood. Oh, Very oh, tall engine cooling. That's what no, that is. The, the big news here with the, the GTR, the, the coolest thing I took out of the whole thing about the GTR is who was driving the car. It's a dude that raced on video games. Oh, yeah. Well, but their 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 whole GTR Gran Turismo team is doing fantastic. I know, like, and it's amazing. They're really doing well. It just goes to show you can actually learn a thing or two playing video games. Well, you know what? I like considering drivers. Do you know who is driving the new Focus ST up up the hill? Uh, no. Former Stig, Ben Collins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And uh, the ST, like, that kind of excites me. Uh, the visual changes are very minor. It's got HIDs now. The front bumper has been massaged super, super slightly. Um, I think they're like the wheel design has been modified, but like yeah. not much has changed visually. But uh, they've reworked a lot of the suspension. The car's a lot stiffer now. The car's gonna sit, I think, a little bit lower. And uh, I believe there was a teeny tiny power boost, um, like like less than five horsepower or something. I thought. I don't know from what I'm seeing, it's the same 252 it's always been, but. Okay, yeah, 252 and 270. So that that hasn't changed. But um, they. Again, change the suspension. So if you guys have not driven uh, Focus ST, the damn thing is bonkers. Like, yeah. it for being a nose-heavy front-wheel drive car, you would never know it from handling it. Ford has done so good with that suspension setup. It hugs well. It's really neutral in turn-in. You can get some lift-off over, over-steer. Like, handles incredibly well. Super powerful. Um, in a straight line, you still get a lot of torque, torque steer. But beyond that, you would never know this is a front-wheel drive car. It's a wonderful thing to drive. So them being like, by the way, we are making this thing handle even even better. Have fun. Like, <clears throat> rain explosion. What was that? <clears throat> rain explosion. Oh, right. Yeah, Focus ST, one of the best cars we make. We're making it better. Deal with it. <laughs> wow, you're cool. 
<laughs> so anyway. <laughs> but so like that was that was exciting. Again, uh, McLaren brought the GT3 version of their new 650S. If you don't know what the 650S is, it's a 12C. That's a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then they made yeah, the it's... GT3 version, which is a race car version, which is way better. And carbon fiber. Did you see the wing on that thing? Yeah, it's like a 747 back there. Yeah, like, no, um, I, I, I saw a piece somewhere, and I don't remember where. It, it, it wasn't unless it was somewhere else. And I don't know if it's, like, actually official. It might have just been on Twitter. But it was, like, the biggest wing at Goodwood was on the GT3 McLaren. I can so, believe it. I mean, that thing is huge. That thing's massive. Yeah. I, mean, I so, feel like if you turned it upside down, the car would fly. Like, Well, almost all of them would. Um, we had a few other, th- oh, Bonham's, uh, how much money, like, I, I can't believe they made so much money. I mean, I, I, I can because it's Bonham's a good one and they always do that. But $39 million. Million dollars. Um, you know, they had That's that Ferrari that went for $18 million that, uh, the three, the 375 plus, which is super gorgeous. They had the uh, the Dietrich from 1902, uh, that went for uh, 1.7 million. They had an old Lamborghini Countach, 1975, that was a special edition one. Uh, how much did that one go 1. for? 1.6 million. One point, see, just wow, 1.6 million dollars for an old Lambo. Um, looks Those like Ferraris so not the only ones that can make make money on their old old cars now. So, yeah, lots of crazy cool stuff happened at Goodwood. Uh, we still have Goodwood news going up, so if you guys like Goodwood, pay attention to the site. We still have a lot of stuff going on there. Um, yeah, holy crap, we're super low on time. So we're going to jump straight to what tends to be everyone's one of, one of, one of their favorite parts, questions and answers. Um, we've got three questions this time. Um, first one is from Billy Wood. Uh, rumor has it that the upcoming Focus RS will be all-wheel drive with 300-plus horsepower. That would put it right in the line of fire of the STI, and why not even the CLA 45 AMG? How do you guys think it will stack up against the competition? If I was in the market for such a car, should I wait for the RS, or should I just go buy the Merc or the Subaru? Um, I have a lot to say on this, but I'll let you guys go first, and maybe you can get most of my quibbles out of, out of the way. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one, because you know, the Merc you're getting, well, you're getting Mercedes. Yeah, and and with the Subaru and the RS, you're kind of sort of in the same little area. So the, the Mercedes is all the way over here. Right. And well, and and side. the Mercedes is probably a lot more expensive too. Yeah, to the long run too. Yeah, you know, everything like that. If you're looking for just balls to the wall, go fast. You know, go with the RS. You know, the the STI. I take issue with because of the way it looks and the fit and finish of Subaru and so on and so forth. Um, but if you want the quality interior, then you got to go to the CLA. But you're also spending a crap ton more money. Um, well, well, okay. I mean, a decked out Super STI is pretty darn expensive, and yeah, then closing it on forty. Or then you're looking at the CLA, yeah. which is actually really cheap for a Benz. But right, I mean, but I still yeah, think still the uh, AMG version is like fifty grand or something. Yeah, it's gonna say the AMG's up to in the fifties. Yeah, but I mean, it's I, yeah, they're they're, they're kind of different cars, so. And the CLA is that is that all-wheel drive too? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, eh. I mean, well, are you really okay. gonna rally here, CLA? Are you gonna <laughs> no. take that, are you gonna but take anyone, that around like who buys an STI usually isn't gonna rally their STI either. Oh, shut up. You can. You can, but nobody will. Um, just like nobody takes their Corvettes to the track. You can do it, but nobody does. Um, here's here's my biggest thing right now. The upcoming Focus is gonna have 300 plus horsepower and all-wheel drive. Well, guess what? So is the last Focus RS and the Focus RS before that. 
It's not happened. Ford Ford has said, like especially for the last generation Euro Focus, when the RS comes out, we're going to have 300 plus horsepower. It's going to be all wheel drive. It's going to be this rally rocket, and that never happened. Yes, they ended up with a 300 horse, horsepower Focus when they did the RS5 500 limited edition model, but that was still only front wheel drive. That was all we got. The base Focus RS was like 360 horsepower, or was two was like two 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 sixty and front wheel drive. They keep saying we're going to get this crazy all wheel drive Focus, and they don't do it. So I don't see it happening this time. If you do get an all-wheel drive, 300 horsepower Focus, I would take it over over the STI. I think it yes. looks better. It'll be built better, and to be honest, it'll probably handle a little bit better too because Ford actually makes some really good handling cars. Um, if you are interested in the Mercedes because you want something with nicer quality, everyone seems to forget, but Golf makes or but Volks, Volkswagen makes the Golf R, 270 horsepower or so, all-wheel drive, six-speed manual. Uh, and incredible, incredible build build quality. So you could always do something like that, and that's about the same price range as the STI, 30, 35. Yeah. Um, so if they actually do this, if Ford actually really comes through with an all-wheel drive, super-duper focus, shit yeah, buy that thing all day. Subaru, I love you, but hell yeah, go for the Ford. Um, if you're looking to blow money on an AMG, there are lots of other things you can get for 50 grand. Um, hell, you can get a Corvette for that much money if you just want... Uh, fun and per- performance. Um, if you want something that's nicer, that's a hot hatch, that's that kind of hot hatch, go with the Golf. Yeah. I think that's a good summation of it. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> all right. Uh, Gary Davis says, given all the craziness going on with the Football World Cup, if anyone watches it, I watched it! Um, what do you guys think the best car would be for running away from the opposing team's raging fans and hooligans? Should it be light and nimble so you could move through traffic or just be something big and smash your way out of danger? Um, I might have watched too many action movies. <laughs> well, I think the only way to go with that is smash. I mean, nimble and fast is nice, but the second someone hits you, you're done. Something big, heavy, and just thick, just ram through stuff is the way to go. Yeah, so... Yeah, I would agree. So... I've got two choices for this. I, I would either do <clears throat> the Ford Raptor or the Ram Power Wagon. Oh, just, even better. Just because. You know, like, of course you'd have to get, like, the bulletproof windows and stuff like that. But, yeah, either one of those trucks would just, yeah, you could just run over people all day and not realize it. It's like the perfect zombie zombie car. All right. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure which end of the spectrum I'd, I'd go on, so I picked one from each. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If you guys in the chat in the live chat, have a question you want to ask. We've got one more question after this. So um, if you have a question, throw those in now because the chat's like 45 seconds behind the actual live feed that we're doing now. Um, so throw a question in, in there, and we'll see if we can get, get to it in a, in a few minutes. But um, for me, I would, if I was going to do big and crazy, I would do the Marauder. If you're going to go big and crazy, do big and crazy. has gun ports, uh, completely like bomb-proof and bulletproof, and it'll drive through buildings and people and cars. Um, if I was going to go the short and nimble route, like the Fiesta ST, I think, super quick, super nice handler, um, really short and nippy. You could, you know, get through a lot of alleys. Like, I, I, I think with the Fiesta ST, you could actually get away from people and, like, especially if you're in a city, get to where they can't find you. Plus, it's a Fiesta, and lots of those things are in the world. So as long as you don't get, like, the obnoxious snot green one, if you have, like, a white one or a black one or whatever – you could just hide. If you can get out of eyesight, you can hide. And you know, one one thing about the you Fiesta can never too, hide in a Marauder. 
I don't I don't think that you could really you know take this into account too with a Fiesta. It's got that really like sharply angled uh, hood and windshield. You just plow right in. Fly up over you. Oh, and you know, I never did give a vehicle. My vehicle would have to be the 2014 Incas, that uh, that big armored, massive school bus with with bars on the windows. I think that is a whole lot of awesome. You can just park. You can just park in the middle of the hooligans, lock your doors, and go to sleep, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're gonna go to our final question from Kirby91. Guys, what would your advice be when buying a new car, and how do I spot a good deal? There is so, so much involved in this question that I think we should just leave it down to a couple of really big basic points. And uh, I want to go ahead and jump jump on this first. So um, it would be, okay, start with crawl underneath every single car yep. and look for absolutely anything that's leaking. And I don't care if the owner goes, oh, that's just this or oh, that's just this. Crawl under it, look for any leak anywhere take a photo of it, and then go ask a professional, what is this? And then back to professionals, just take it to somebody. I don't care who it is. Almost every single mechanic shop in the entirety of the world will pull it in and look at any car for free to try and get a potential customer. Be like, I'm looking to buy this car. I don't know anything about it. Would you please just lift it up and look for anything out of the ordinary? Yeah. Touche on that. I think that's a, that's a great point, you know, to always have somebody look at it. And if the, and if the, the guy selling the car isn't willing to to let you put it on the lift, you might want to steer clear of it, you know. Yeah, no, and that I, and that's private party too. I mean, well, yeah, I guess you could do that with a dealer, but um, yeah, my advice for that, um, especially if you're going to buy from a dealer, always go at the end of the month because that's when they're looking to get their numbers in, their quota. They're will, more willing to work with you on price at the end of the month because they can take that number to their boss and be like, "Look, I sold 20 cars this month," versus you know not. So that's my advice on that one. And um, always try to sell your trade private party because you get more money out of it than trading it in. Yep. Yep. Nope. That's that, that's that's solid. Yeah, and I I totally agree with you guys with the get get the car in a in a uh, in a mechanic shop, have them look at everything. If the owner won't let you take it, there's something wrong with it. And if you're looking yep. at a new car, if you're looking at a new car. This is the exact time to buy right now because 2014s are sitting there, 2015s yeah. are coming in. They want those 2014s the hell off their lot. They'll give you all kinds of deals on 2014s. Yeah, right very, very true. And even even more into like September or November. Oh yeah. You know, when when winter time's coming up, and you know now the now the fleets are coming in of the 2015, and they've got this car sitting there. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's a 2014, so old. You know, you can get a good deal on it. Yep. Um, an, another thing to think about when it comes to trade-in. So you will get more money from a private party. If you're in a position where you want to get rid of a car quick, um, obviously it won't always work work this way. But um, if you can, if it happens to work out that way, you will get more money for your trade-in if you're trading in to like the dealer like that brand. Like if you have a Nissan and you want a new Nissan, trading that in at a Nissan dealer, they're more likely to give you more money. Huh. Because they're a Nissan dealer and they can sell their used Nissans at a Nissan dealer and that sort of gives them some brand credit. So they're willing to pay you a little bit more free trade in that way. Plus, as a returning customer, they're also a little more likely to give you some better deals. And, or maybe yeah, especially if you bought it at that dealer. Yeah. yeah. So That's they want to keep that stuff in there. Um, all right. We did get one question in the chat. Um, Andrew, okay. 
So do we have any info at all on the new ND? He heard a rumor that it was coming with a 1.3 turbo engine. Is there any truth to this? Um, the only info we have on the new ND is that it is going to be lighter than the current car. Yep. Um, it is going to be unveiled in September, at the beginning of se September, and we have seen what the chassis looks like. Maz released a photo mm -hmm. of that a while back. As far as the engine, um, I can tell you right now it is not going to be a 1.3 turbo. Um, the only turbo engine Mazda has right now is their big one that they're putting in the Mazda Speed 3 and in some of their small SUVs, but they're moving over to everything that's Skyactiv. All the Skyactiv stuff is naturally aspirated. Um, a Mazda today, or just yesterday, released a new video that's a teaser for the ND, and you can hear the engine, and it does not sound turbocharged at all. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a 1.5 or a 1.6 again, but um, I expect it to be a high-strung, highly optimized Skyactiv engine like what they're doing now in all their other cars. So. Well, a couple issues with that. First of all, in so many new cars, even in my Miata that was turbocharged, the Mazda Speed version, you cannot really hear the turbo stock. You don't hear it until you open up the intake and you get a blow-off out. Then you can actually hear it. These stock twin scrolls, you don't really hear them unless you're on top of the engine. Number two, Mazda has already made it very clear that the uh, that the new Miata is not going to kind of go on the same design of everything else, whether that's Sorry. just the body or if that's the body and engine. They've already said it's not going to have the same Kodo design as the Mazda 3 and so forth. Yeah. And they haven't really confirmed that it's going to be a Skyactiv engine. Sky, the chassis is Skyactiv. There's no reason they would not do at least Skyactiv branding on their on their engine. Plus, yeah, the chassis... we've we've seen the engine in that photo that they gave us of, mm -hmm. the, of the chassis. It looks way too big to be a 1.3, and there is nothing on there that looks like it has turbocharging anywhere. Well, but remember the the angle we saw from the engine. It cuts off right at the bottom of the of the exhaust accumulator, so you're not going to see it. The picture you were pointing at before is actually the intake side. Yeah. The picture Mark and I actually saw, the picture we saw, you can see it cuts off right where the accumulator, right where the turbo would bolt on. They cut it off right there. So it kind of makes you wonder, why would they cut Could the engine off right there? Uh, maybe, but I just, I don't, I, I, I don't see the see the turbo thing happening. I, I, I just don't. Um, they've, they've, partly because they don't seem to be doing anything to push their turbo tech, technology. Like, they haven't. Since that 2.3 came out, like, they've not touched turbo stuff. They just haven't. Everything has been on optimizing their naturally aspirated engines. That's why they have oh, the man. world record compression ratio on a naturally aspirated gasoline engine. Like that's what the whole idea of Skyactive is, is to take what we have and what we know and make it the absolute best it can be and make it as optimized as humanly possible for power and fuel economy without adding all this extra stuff, without jumping into boost. Like, originally, that was the whole idea behind Skyactive to begin with, was to avoid boosting engines. It was to see what they could do without adding the weight and complexity that comes with boost. But here's the deal with the Miata. Mazda doesn't give a flying crap about all that stuff when it comes to the Miata. Mazda doesn't care. The Miata is their sports car. They build the Miata differently than every other car they build. When you drive the 2014 Miata, I drove it already. Trust me, you're going to notice this is not like the other Mazdas. It has the everything's cheap and as lightweight as it can possibly be. Nothing is really premium on it. They build that car completely different than the rest of their lineup. Always have and always will. I, I guess yeah, so. Justin, I, just, I agree I with you on the that happening. I don't know. I, I agree with Justin on this one. I think that the, the Mazda is kind of – or the – the Miata is kind of its own thing. It's it's its own car, uh, separate from the lineup. Whether they put a turbo on it or not, I think that you know it, it's it's still going to have that uniqueness about it. Uh, you know, and hopefully, if there's not a turbo on it, then there's enough room for you to put a turbo on it later. But uh, you know, 
I, well, they'll they'll I, always I, be enough room. Oh, yeah, you can make room. room. <laughs> you can make oh, room. I don't need, I don't need yeah. that AC. I'll take that out. I don't need that. I don't need all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I I kind of think that uh, you know things are things are going to be different with the Miata. And in that same line of thought, why not depart from your Skyactiv branding to do something different, like a turbocharged? Uh, now, conversely, they could say. Let's put the Skyactive name on the on the Miata, and Skyactive key for Skyactive Turbo. <laughs> yeah, they're perfect. You know. Well, it's already uh, going to have Skyactive technology. The chassis is. Right. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, if branding that engine that that way could give the the branding more cachet as far as the other cars mm-hmm. go too. Because hey, look, our MX-5 Miata is really great. It goes super fast. We got the same technology in our Mazda three and Mazda six. Yeah, it's kind of you like the uh, like the Civic Type R. It's an Earth Dreams engine, but it's a turbocharged. Yeah, I guess so. I just I don't know. I see I see them doing everything they can to put a 1.6 in it, just like the original Miata had a 1.6 in it. Um, and I see them because with the way they're they're doing their power, I I I'd see no reason why they wouldn't be able to push a naturally aspirated engine to 170 horsepower like the car has now, and they're just gonna cut 400 pounds out of it. Yeah, and but so imagine that. that's a better weight to power to weight ratio than your Mazda, Mazda Speed Miata and any other Miata that's ever been been made, and you still have that feel of a naturally aspirated engine. You still have that swelling power. You still have the ease to drive that comes with all that. You don't have the issues with boost coming on quickly. Like it creates a more natural driving experience. Well, with twin scroll turbochargers in the in the variable geometry, you don't have to worry about the the boost coming on like wham. Like in my in my uh, Mazda speed, yeah, it's bang. But in these new twin scrolls, variable geometry, all that stuff, you don't have that anymore. The the the, the torque is coming in at 1500 RPMs in these things nowadays. So you don't have that. They don't have to worry about it. Okay, uh, we have one last thing to say about this, and then we have to move to own drive burn because we're way over time. <laughs> Hulty just – thank you, Hulty. Welcome back. Hulty just chimed in. Wasn't the new Miata built in partnership with Alfa Romeo? Could it get the 1.7 turbo from the 4C? That would be oh. awesome, 240 horsepower. <laughs> oh. Hulty, you just made my dreams come true. Um, Hulty, I will be driving a 240 horsepower Miata soon. One of the cars I'm driving at Flying Miata is their target car, Nancy. Um, it is an NC with a supercharger kit and is 241 horsepower, and that is my rental car for the week. So, um, boom. Yeah, Andrew Burt, I would buy that on day one. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I'd sleep uh, at the dealership the night they released it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We we got to We're we're done. One last thing. Own drive burn. Podcast over. Own drive <laughs> burn is from Todd S19. Also, thank you to everyone who's chatting, and thank you to Gary Davis and Billy Wood and Kirby91 for your questions. Todd S19. I have some cars for own drive burn. Hope Mark is going to love this one, and he is. We've got the AMG G Wagon 6x6, the Marauder that I just talked about in the Getting Away from Football fans. And the Bigfoot monster truck. Um, yeah. Mark, you can go first. All right. Well, <laughs> as much as like I like the Marauder and how cool it is, you know, with the gun slots and everything like that. If you saw the Top Gear uh, episode where they blow it up and stuff, it's a it's a beast. But it, it's a beast. I don't know that I would really want to drive it. But the uh, so I would say I would burn that one. Okay. Can you but burn? I, I would have to do some sort of like really cool military exercise to where like you know it was really cool watching it burn. Uh, conversely, I would do the Bigfoot uh, for a day, just drive that once because it's a freaking monster truck. How can you not Bigfoot. drive that? It's Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. I would I would I would take Bigfoot and I would crush the Marauder. 
That's what I would do. <laughs> nice combination. Yes. So, yeah. As it was burning on fire. <laughs> and then Bigfoot just explodes because yeah. you cut a gas line and... <laughs> and I die. But anyway, well, I would die and go to heaven in the AMG 6x6. Right. You, would, would... you would die backwards, upside down in a ball, in, in a ball of fire, which is quite frankly the best way to go. Yeah, if you gotta go, that's the way. That's the way to do it. Go out with a bang, literally. Yeah, the six by six is what I would drive. Uh, why not? Merck. Yeah, Actually, like Germany, you know, whatever. I agree with you 100%. Like that is exactly what I would do. The Marauder is badass, but as an everyday vehicle, it's it's it's, it's pointless. The AMG six by six is the own. Period. Like there's yeah. there's no question about that. Yeah. That is the one to own. So then it comes down to which one do I want to drive? And the Marauder is cool, but yeah, it's freaking Bigfoot. America, man. I am going to drive a damned monster truck. Yeah. That is what I am going to do. Yes. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it three for three. Um, you know, the six by six is badass. I want to drive it every single day of my life. I want to drive it in the afterlife. I want to drive it when I'm resurrected or whatever. The Marauder, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. But still, it's it's just the Marauder. And Bigfoot, oh, come on. I grew up with that thing. I grew up yeah. watching that thing crush junkyard cars and big old, like, big... Cadillacs and crap, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just awesomeness, and I'd, I'd have to drive that at least one time if I had the chance. Yeah. Well, I do I do want to make a substitute, though. Instead of Bigfoot, you got to do Grave Digger. Grave Digger. I was going <laughs> to say the same thing. <laughs> Monster Jam. Kids, you know, like. <laughs> right. And it's, it's like, I the Monster Truck is just like a, a shoo-in for this thing. Like, So if it was AMG 6x6 Marauder and then that silly bus that Justin was, was talking about, yeah. like, I would probably burn the bus and drive the Marauder once because I think the Marauder's cool. But when you throw a monster truck in there, it's like, I don't care what we're talking about. You could be like, okay, you've got the McLaren P1 and the Ferrari, you know, La, La Ferrari and Big Bigfoot. One of the supercars is going to burn because, by God, I'm going to drive Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, all sense and, like, logic, it's gone. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yep. yeah. Big Great You know, like, come on. It's no, got, you like, eight... You gotta get, get the 800 horsepower and like 60 inch tires. How can you say no to that? Yeah. You gotta get the Carolina Crush with the big arms that stick out like that on the front of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> El Toro Loco or whatever the thing is called. I think it's wasn't that Carolina Crush? I thought it was. I, yeah, I and then El Toro was the one that looked like a big bull. The horns on it. <laughs> the horns. Wow, we oh, are. I was such yeah. a loser. <laughs> we are showing our age and uh, our our affinity of boyhood things. All right. Okay, we're done. We are way the hell over time. I apologize <laughs> to everybody. Oh no! What am I doing? Oh god! I'm breaking things. Ah, we're doing it live. <laughs> okay, there we go. So uh, thank you to everyone who's who's tuned in to to join us. Yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, we we love you all. Thank you to Halty for tuning in and hanging out with us again. Thank you to everyone who came in from the cool Miata group here 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 in town. Um, if you guys like them, you're going to be hearing. A lot more about them in the coming weeks. Um, Go thank Vols. you to Josh, even though you don't have a uh, actual Miata anymore with your silly Civic. Thank you. <laughs> um, again, everyone, we appreciate you hanging out with us. If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can hit us up in the comments. You can send us an email, podcast at topspeed.com, or you can find us on Twitter. The pod or the Twitter for the podcast is just at topspeed podcast. If you want to follow any one of us, you could follow me on Twitter directly. I am at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Um, Mark, stop stop doing silly things in the chat. <laughs> um, you can That's follow Justin. That's serious. That's Justin serious. is at the car junkie, 
And Mark is simply at Mark McNabb. You can also follow him on Instagram, at Mark McNabb. That's where he's most active if you're interested in him. Um, thank you guys for hanging out. Don't forget, if you love us, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, do all that jazz. We're going to play some music, and uh, we're going to call it a day. So thank you guys for hanging out.